Welcome to Digital Marketing Intelligence, Ask the Experts, a live bi-weekly show to help you know what to do and what's new in digital marketing for 2021 and beyond. Ask questions, suggest topics, and grow faster with actionable insights and proven strategies from the world's leading experts. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Digital Marketing Intelligence for Entrepreneurs. My name is Marissa Morgan. I'll be your show host today, and I'm excited to be here on behalf of the whole team at Engage. Thanks for joining us for today's show. Now, before I introduce you to today's very special guest, excited to have him back for his second live show with us, I do want to remind you that at the end of every show, I always share an Engage digital marketing news piece for the week. Sometimes it's about social media apps, changes we're seeing to e-commerce platforms, trends that we're seeing in digital marketing, and things that we're seeing change, especially as the results of the recent pandemic. So don't forget to stick around for that after I introduce you to our special guest and we dive into today's talk. Now, today's topic is the importance of brand building and sales adaption since the pandemic, right? We know things have changed drastically. They continue to change, but I think we can all agree, and I know our guest expert will agree, we're all starting to become a little more comfortable being online, right? Working remote, having our engagements be virtual or through a computer versus in person. So we're going to talk about some of the trends, some of the changes in consumer behavior, the shifts, what we're seeing, where those trends are going, and how you can take your business to the next level by moving and shaking with all of these changes and trends. Okay, before I introduce you to our special guest, a quick note about our sponsor, our producer of our show, and that is the company Engage. Now, what is Engage? Engage is a cloud-based platform that brings you over 35 free forever tools. Our tools can help you to grow and scale your business. Our tools can help you literally optimize the customer experience, which is something we're going to talk about today. And all of the tools right now are free. So if you, whether you're a startup or you are maybe in a small to mid-sized business and you're looking to grow and expand your team, uh, maybe you want a way to communicate with your team. You want a CRM to organize your information so your interactions with your clients and your prospects can be more personalized. We can give you all of those wonderful tools. So check out our platform, and you can do that at www.ngagge.com after today's show. One more quick mention, and this is incredibly important because as we all know right now, content and creating content is extremely important in our digital world. And Engage recently launched a program called Engage Live. Now, let me tell you what that program is. That program is a way to help you create your own live stream, just like we're doing right here. You can do that, and we help you do that. And what will that do for your company and your brand? Well, it will help you to build trust and sell more. It will allow you to engage with unlimited leads, right? Getting online, creating 
maybe it's how-to videos or product demonstrations or these great live interviews with guests. Um, it will also allow you to expand your reach, scale faster, and you can track results. You can see who's watching, find out what they're interested in, which will help you grow smarter and really attract the right people. Now, how do we do this? Well, we have a proven show strategy. We give you access to streaming software, email script, media kit templates. Maybe you need somebody like myself, a host for your show. We can provide you with a host or a moderator. We can help you promote your show and also give you access to the repurposed video and analytics as well. Lots of opportunities with our new program called Engage Live, and you can check that out after today's show as well. Engage, N-G-A-G-G-E-L-I-V-E, engagelive.com. Okay, without further ado, I got my business out of the way. I'm just about ready to reshare our show to my LinkedIn page for those of you to continue to join us. So I'm going to introduce you to today's special guest. If you don't know him, you need to know him. His name is Richard Wildman, and he is joining us live today from Sarasota, Florida. Welcome to the show, Richard. Now, if you don't know who Richard is, you need to. Richard is an award-winning CEO and international best-selling author. He's also a philanthropist and a very highly, highly regarded speaker as well. He is also a man whose extraordinary insights on business growth and creating customer advocacy have been called brilliant by Christopher Forbes himself. You may know him as the vice chairman of Forbes Media. He serves as the chairman of Wildman Consulting Group, where he and his team partner with organizations to better understand their customer and build a brand of distinction. He is also the CEO and Chief Development Officer for the Wildman Center for Excellence in Practice Management, an online learning platform utilized by more than, probably at this point, 10,000 financial professionals each month to acquire more clients, increase revenue, and grow the right team. Those are three things I think so many businesses want to do. So make sure after today's show, you also check out the Wildman Center for Excellence in Practice Management. He is the author of three international bestsellers, the latest of which, The Power of Why, Breaking Out in a Competitive Marketplace, is available in seven languages and is also a CEO Reads bestseller. Richard has been recognized by Engadi CX as a 2020 thought leader on how to elevate the customer experience. He is also a board member of the United States Luxury Institute, whose primary mission is firsthand research to enable organizations to better understand today's consumer. Just a side note, this is Richard's returning show with us. He was one of our first guests. I think he was show number four in our show live show series. So we're excited to have him back again. And I have to say, if you're on the podcast, you're not seeing what I'm seeing, but Throughout the last year, Richard's also just, I don't know, lost like 60 pounds, I think. He's literally glowing. He looks better than ever. So if you're on the podcast, just imagine somebody who looks 10 times better a year later, right? And that's kind of rare considering how many of us have gained weight during the pandemic. So Richard, I hope you're not embarrassed that I just shared that tidbit. For those of you watching on the live stream and many of you are joining us right now on LinkedIn Live, you can see Richard live in the flesh so you can see it for yourself. 
Richard, thanks for joining us, for being our guest expert today, and for being a repeat guest here on the Digital Marketing for Entrepreneurs Intelligence Ask the Experts show by Engage. Thank you, Marissa, and it's great to be with you, and uh, thank you for your kind comments. And uh, just a quick thing on the uh, weight loss. Thank you for, uh, I suppose, bringing that up. But, uh, you know, everybody makes a New Year's resolution. Almost everybody. True. And uh, it occurred to me last year, not this year, but in 2020, uh, what's your New Year's resolution? The more I thought about it, I said, well, people make New Year's resolutions and often don't follow through of them. So I think instead of a resolution, I'll make a decision. So I made a decision and uh, yeah, 60 pounds later, um, seemed to be a good decision. So I'm happy about it. But uh, thank you for that. But that's a little insight for all of us. It's one thing to resolve to do something. It's another thing to decide and commit to do something. So thank you very much, by the way, for inviting me back in my regards to the entire Engage team. So, so happy you're back and you've been so wonderful. We all know the power of personal connections and referrals. And you actually gave us a referral for another guest who came on to our show, Daniel Burris as well. Brilliant guy. Yeah. One of my best friends. Thank you. Go ahead. Oh, absolutely. Well, we're excited you're here. Our topic today is one that I think resonates with a ton of people, whether you're a small to mid-sized to large business, it doesn't matter the size of your business. I don't think it matters your product. I think right now we're all in this, um, we're, in a, we're in a place of change, right? We know that the pandemic came along and it changed the way that people are doing business. It changed the way that we're viewing normalcy. You know, now we're all operating out of this, you know, kind of a place of isolation. We're working remote. We're no longer shopping in person. We're shopping online. We're no longer having meetings in person. We're having meetings mostly online. We're seeing a shift as in-person things start to happen again. But this shift and this increase in online engagement has has done what, Richard? It's, it's really made the digital world be um, more important by virtue of necessity. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely right. And, you know, the necessity piece of the puzzle, obviously, the pandemic brought this as a necessity. We've seen this push, you know, we're a research-based consulting firm and on the U.S. Luxury Institute, where we support over 100 luxury brands. You know, these are things we track and we see this move to online. But because of the pandemic, what perhaps would take another five years took five months. It just mm -hmm. collapsed everything. And people, so, but the, the, the backstory on that is, that even though people in many places of the country can get out and about and they're going to stores, et cetera, what we're really seeing is they are staying online because of the convenience, because of the fact that they are not constrained, if you will, by geographic location. They're not constrained by the offerings in their communities. And of course, the convenience that goes with that. So yes, there's been a necessity because of the pandemic, but what's happened is it's been a shift in consumer behavior now and online presence is absolutely critical, regardless of what kind of, I mean, you can run a cleaning service, mm -hmm. an online presence. You can be a financial advisor. Your online presence is critically important. So thank you. You're exactly right. It's just shifted the way the consumer finds, selects, and does business. 100%. And speaking of being online, a quick reminder to those of you joining us right now live on LinkedIn Live, and also on Facebook, we are live and we are interactive right now. If during our show you have any comments or questions, 
for Richard, please drop them in the comment section. I promise you we'll get to every question that you ask. And if you are listening to this show on a replay and it's not live, if it's through our webinar, our EVAR webinar, you can still leave a question there and it will get sent to us and we can bubble those questions to Richard as well via email. So even if you're listening to the replay through a webinar, please leave any questions or comments you may have. And right off the bat, we do have a comment from Abdul and he just wants to say hello, welcome himself to the show and say hello to you, Richard, and that he's also in the world of digital marketing. So welcome, Abdul. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Richard is live from Sarasota, Florida. I'm uh, just one time zone behind Richard in Minnesota right now. So because we are a global show, feel free to drop us a comment and just let us know also where you're joining us from. And then my last little, not piece of business, but what I like to tell our audience to do, Richard, is if you are watching live right now, you know, getting interaction on your LinkedIn profile is a great way, right, to build your network. So I just went down to the little white arrow in the comment section and shared our talk right to my LinkedIn page. So I like to encourage our audience to also share our talk because sharing some sort of content or a live show that's happening to your own LinkedIn page is a great way to increase the uh, engagement on your page. So if you haven't yet shared our talk, not you, Richard, but audience. If you haven't yet shared our talk to your page, go ahead and do that and uh, get a little more engagement going on your own LinkedIn page because that's what we're all trying to do, aren't we, Richard? We're trying to engage with others, continue to build connections, right? Either for personal reasons or business reasons or both, right? Absolutely. Now, one thing before we dive into today's talk that I'd be interested to talk about a little bit is... What are the changes that you have seen? And, and you know, this is more kind of just, I mean, it's been about a year almost, eight, eight months since we first had our show together. Um, would you mind just chatting a little bit before we get into, you know, our specific topic? Share with me some of the changes that you've seen happen even over the last eight months as we kind of, kind of we're kind of at our worst, I think, with the pandemic and then things shifted and everybody started saying, okay, no, I can get back out again. Maybe I am going to start doing in-person meetings again. Did you see some shifts happen? And and what are you seeing now in terms of, you know, online versus in person? Because of Well, there's a, you know, we've, we've seen a massive shift in the online space and we can talk about some of those in detail, but there's new distribution strategies going on. There's clearly the customer experience today is absolutely critical to customer, client, use any phrase you want, retention. Mm -hmm. The challenge we really see now in the big shift is that satisfied clients, people who are, let's say they're satisfied with whatever product service that is being delivered by perhaps someone that's attending this forum, they may be satisfied, but if they're not delighted, if they don't really feel as though there's a sense of connection, a sense of relationship, a sense of personalization, they're actively seeking other opportunities in the marketplace. Because what online has really done is it's made it very convenient to, shall we say, get a second opinion, shop mm-hmm. around, look at other things, be available literally globally, as an example, on a Zoom call or a teaming or go to meeting, whatever you platform that is available. And so consequently, 
the issue today is that the whole piece of the online puzzle, and it is a puzzle because there's a lot of moving parts, and we can talk about anyone that you want to bring up today. But the key is that people today, even though they may be satisfied, they're likely in a position where they can become loyalty neutral. In fact, our early research that we've done with the Harvard Review, 20 to 30% of the people that we've interviewed said that they're satisfied, but they're actively always looking. Oh. So this, this should really make every single one of us that run a business or involved in a business or a profession that requires, if you will, the relationships that are necessary to drive revenue, that requires all of us to take a step back and say, no, wait a minute. How many of my customers are really satisfied and how many are really delighted? Because if we just have satisfied clients or customers, the truth of the matter is those individuals could easily get their head turned and go in a different direction. So that's the big shift is the accessibility of the internet, the accessibility of digital has made it easier for people to make other choices. So thus it becomes critically important that we find every way we can to make, I'll use a phrase that is often used in, in the financial services world. We need to find every way we can to cross market so people are sticky and they stick with us as a provider. But that's the same with true with Amazon. That's the same as true with Walmart. It's the same with true with Target. You make a long list here. You want to make them sticky. It's the it's Freddie Steakburger and Custard, who's a good client of ours, and they just won the National Fast Restaurant Award. It beat everybody, fast casual, beat everybody, uh, Culver's, uh, Smashburger, et cetera. But the key thing they did, they developed the Freddie's way, put it in every single one of their stores. But then they built a fan club, and they started doing special things for those so-called fans to make mm. people sticky. So as a result of that, they'll drive past McDonald's, drive past the Burger King, drive past the Culver's to do what? To go to a Freddy's. Wow. So it's a big shift today because people have so many options. So the yeah. question is, do you want to be an option or do you want to be the sole provider? I want to be the sole provider. I don't want to be Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? I think that you just summed it up so well, really what we're going to talk about today. But what does a customer wants to be? You want to be the sole provider. A customer wants to be a loyal, appreciated, recognized customer, right? So exactly. if both of those needs are met, then the customer is happy, the business is happy, and then they continue to, to nurture. Hey, listen, we're getting a ton of comments. I, I've got uh, almost a dozen people already creeping up here into our live audience. So a hello from Eric. He's visiting from SoCal. My His question, by the way, he has a question for you. And I think this might be really, Eric, just stay tuned because I think this, this, this we're going to answer your question with our talk. His question is, what do you suggest the first things people need to do to make sure they're not left behind in digital engagement? So, Richard, don't don't feel that you need to jump to an answer there, because I think, okay. Eric, just sit back for the next 30 minutes. We're going to give you lots of answers. And then if Richard thinks of anything in addition to what we're talking about, I know he'll also share that. And then Jimmy Mack is also joining in from Supernova Days at Merrill. Yeah, that was Thanks a huge initiative. Us, good, to, good to have you there, Jimmy. And uh, thank you, Eric. We'll make sure that I get that question up on the table for you because there are very specific things people need to do to engage. I'll just say one more thing on that for Eric. Go for it here and I'll I'm not going to, I'm not going to comment on a firm, but they didn't even start online training for their advisors till October of last year. Wait a minute. Say that again. No, I said it correctly. They didn't even start October 
until October of last year to train their advisors on how to really be effective online. Wow. Now, that, that's one side of the puzzle. Yeah. I think Eric's question is a larger question. What are the first things people need to do? Well, there's things like customer service, optimization, SEO, e-commerce platforms. Uh, I mean, there's a whole list of things we'll cover here today, I'm sure. But that is essential that people who are going to be in the space, let's say as a presenter, let's say a financial advisor in Eric's case, that individual needs to be trained on how to be able to engage with people when they're in a virtual environment. Now, if we're going to get into a, uh, shall we say, how do we build a platform that really engages individuals to be curious to engage with us, in the case, let's say, of a financial advisor, or let's say Target, how do they do it? How come Chick-fil-A is crushing it? Why is Walmart creeping up now on Amazon? Because they've cracked the code on the things that they have to do to get people to engage so they don't get left behind. Right. But go ahead. Let's jump into some topics here because I want to be as specific as I can during our time. Thank yeah, you. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about basically brand building, sales adaption, things that companies need to right. prioritize now more than ever because the pandemic has changed the way that people are interacting or not interacting or where they are, right? They're working remote. So for those of you joining us, and there are so many of you, so thank you so much. I see the numbers Richard, you always get a great following and I'm watching the numbers for our live audience just keep creeping up and I love it. So you guys, let's give you a look at some of the things we're going to cover during our talk today with Richard. We're going to talk about this digital transformation, how now it's really a necessity as opposed to just a competitive advantage. Eric, I think you just asked questions. How do I stay relevant in this digital world? And we're going to talk about some things, including changing your priorities, right? What are, what are the important things that businesses now need to invest in? We're going to ask Richard about, you know, his experience with customer service, optimizing the customer service, new distribution distribution strategies, improved e-commerce platform, platforms, which I can speak to a little bit, and things like maybe upgrading your websites, right? We will also talk about how businesses need to change how they communicate with their customers and maybe where they're communicating with their customers. I see Richard shaking his head. Yes, they do. He's saying, uh, and how changes need to happen in the worlds of digital advertising with messaging apps, how bots are becoming a big part of the messaging and communication world, and obviously social media platforms. And then I think we'll end our, our chat today really asking Richard, you know, what his experience has been in terms of the key to sales success, right? How do we initiate, nurture, and maintain virtual versus in-person relationships? We can ask him what he sees going on in the marketplace and what has worked for him and, and also some of his clients as well. So without further ado, and again, thank you all so much for joining us. Let's find out a little bit more about, Richard, what what you have found to be, um, what you have found to be are the major changes, right, that businesses need to, to do, the, the, the shift in priorities, right, that businesses um, need to make in terms of, right, this, this digital marketing era and the pandemic. So, Priorities like customer service. What are you seeing in terms and experiencing in terms of what businesses need to change now or do differently 
as it pertains to customer service? Well, customer service, you know, the challenge with customer service, everybody thinks they're giving good customer service. The problem is good customer service is no longer good enough. Mm, good I mean, if you really think about no this, good okay. right, because if you really think about it, it's a minimum expectation today. It's not, it's barely a baseline. I mean, we mm-hmm. call it a baseline, but what does that mean? I mean, you go to McDonald's for God's sakes, you buy fries and they're cold and for 79 cents and they'll, re- they'll give you fresh fries free. So when people say, you know, uh, invest with me or buy our, um, you know, Lazy Boy or whatever the case might be, and we'll give you good service. It doesn't really mean anything. People today, that is a baseline that people have. When we're talking about customer service on the online space, customer profiles need to be very easy for the customer to update. He or she can log in, change their all their data, anything they want from address to phone number to preferred email. Everything needs to be easy without having to click through, are you a bot? One time, mm-hmm. verify one time. And by the time they click through three times, they finally give up or they forget to save it. It should be an auto save, but it is not an auto save because if they forget to save it, the truth of the matter is that information doesn't get saved. And so what happens is their profile is, in fact, not updated. The other thing is that if we're going to really be effective in this space of, let's just say, virtual or online, we have to realize that personalization and humanization is critically important in the shall we face-to-face or I call you on the phone space, we want to personalize and humanize interaction. But in the online space where people are being communicated with either by email or messaging of some time, personalization and humanization is winning the market share like crazy. And I'll give you a classic example. My first initial is see my father's name was Charles. And so I was Charles Richard Weilman III, All right. So I always was C period Richard Wildman, but I get lots of messages, particularly Internet style digital. And it's dear C. Well, what that really tells me is two things. Number one, they have no idea who I am. Number two, Mm -hmm. even though in a couple of cases with uh, individuals, I have updated my profile. I still get dear C. And so the point is, do we know the nickname of our clients? Is that name in there? If if she goes by a nickname, do we have that nickname in the database? I'll give you another example. T. Boone Pickens talked about this. He went crazy when he got messages or even letters that says, Dear T. Because he didn't go by T. He went by Boone. T. Boone Pickens. So when you really begin to think about this, you have to realize that if we're going to improve the customer service experience, greetings must be personalized and humanized. We must be in a position where people can update their profiles. The people that are on the ground, I'm talking about everything from the staff person to the support person to the to the customer service rep. They need education today. They need the education on how to communicate with people, how they can really engage with people, let's say, in a call center. Or if I were to call your business right now and ask for you, I'm sorry, she's in a meeting. Would you like their voicemail? That is not service. No, what I'd like to do is get my question answered. Wouldn't it be far better if I called your office and they said, I'm sorry, Marisha is currently doing a show. How may I help you? It -hmm. seems like a small thing, but it's a massive impact on people feeling as though they were serviced. And so support staff gets very little training on these topics whatsoever because the focus is usually on sales and marketing. And yet the backbone, the shall we say, the 
the support structure behind every relationship is the way that the touch points of every single interaction someone has with a firm, company, et cetera. This is why when you reach out to some firms and even when you get, and we'll talk about chatbots too if you want, but when you get a chatbot, if it's personalized and humanized, it's a whole different level of engagement than dear customer or dear mm -hmm. client or dear whatever. So we need to be thinking about customer service as a baseline. We need to educate the support staff. Everything needs to be personalized and humanized, critically important. And if you're in the space where you're marketing to consumers, returns need to be easy to process. It's still difficult to get refunds from some companies. Now, admittedly, admittedly, there are several companies that really, you know, Walmart paved the way, uh, several retailers paved the way with no question returns, if you will. But boy, Amazon's taken it to a whole new level. I mean, you get it, you send it back. But I can tell you, there are online providers right now where you have to type out your own label, Granger, do the all oh, the work for them. With right. Amazon, with Walmart, with Nordstrom's, you click, print the label. It's all done for you. So you might be saying, well, I'm not in that business. Right. But think about how can you take that idea and adopt it to your business? If you're asking me to fill out a form to be able to have some interface, maybe it's a contact form. Why can't it be auto populated on your website? Or do I have to type in required fields, six of them, just to be able to reach out to somebody at info at GW.com? I want to email to a person. I want somebody to know is going to get that. So if I send an email, it's going to come to not info at, it's going to come to Richard at. So at least I know I have someone that's going to be monitoring that email. We've tracked this and the average individual sends an info. It takes anywhere from six to eight days before somebody responds to info at. This is what I would call good service. Thank you. Oh my goodness. I love how passionate though you get about this. It's almost like it, it's literally customer service is, and customer, op, you know, op, optimizing the customer experience. It's in your blood and you get so passionate about it. And it gets me excited too, because it makes me as a customer, right, start to go back in my head and start to think, oh yeah, that, that happened to me. Oh yeah, that happened to me. And it makes me get um, almost the emotional feeling that I felt at the time, right? When for instance, I, I had to send something back to a company. They said, simply hit, you know, write return sender on the box, send it back, and you'll get your account in six to eight weeks. Well, 12 weeks later, my credit's still not there. And Thank now I'm you. getting emails asking me to purchase again. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You never even gave me my money back for my return. So going back as a customer and thinking about all the times I was frustrated or all the times I didn't get a question answered or all the times it was hard to do something I realized that right away I became disengaged. I became uninterested in the company. Um, there was no opportunity for loyalty to be created. And I simply moved on to find a better alternate option for myself. Now, right. if I am operating a company and I am trying to, um, you know, create a base of loyal customers, every time that a customer has that experience, you know, they're going to go somewhere else. So it's important for me as a business to figure out, like you said, how to make it not just acceptable, but how to make it exceptional, you know? Yeah, and the separation here is a lot of people think good service and an uh, elevated client or customer experience or optimizing a customer experience is the same thing, and it's not. Good service is a baseline. There are things you have to do, personalization, humanization, many things I talked about. But when we talk about optimizing customer experience, that is a different level. That's not just service. As important as service is, it's critical. 
let me frame it this way. When you bring a customer on board, if you want to optimize their experience, and this, this kind of really goes to Eric's question too, what should people do so they don't fall behind? Very simple. We have to capture far more than their name and their age and their address and and what needs to find out, what we need to be able to uncover, regardless of what business you're in, what are they passionate about? What do they enjoy doing? What are the things that are important to them? And people say, well, people won't share that data. They will share the data, particularly if it's with an organization where they feel they have a relationship and that it's going to expand their experience. I mean, we see that people tell me all the time, well, you know, my, people don't want to share their data. Well, look at Z's, look at Y's, look at millennials. And by the way, millennials are coming over 40 now. So the truth of the matter is we've seen an aging out of people, an aging out. You want to call it dying? We'll use that phrase of people that are reluctant to share their information. And so the point is people love to be able to share information that's going to elevate their experience. So we need to do a better job of capturing that information, both in the digital space and when we have the opportunity in the conversational space. Bergdorf Goodman is a classic example. You walk into their shop on Fifth Avenue, you buy something, they're going to ask you, who's it for? What? And they're going to put that in their database. So if it's for a child anniversary, a child's birthday, you're going to get a catalog virtually in next year, six weeks before that birthday, with some suggestions for Johnny's upcoming seventh birthday. Why did they do that? Because they captured the, I'm getting this from my daughter. You know, she just made the cheerleading squad. Oh, when is she going to graduate? 2023. Great. Guess what you're going to get in 2023? You're going to get, congratulations. We're happy that Susie's going to be graduating. Here's some graduation gifts that she just might think are over the top. That's how you connect with people. And little things you can do, like know and celebrate their, per their first purchase anniversary or their first investment anniversary, <clears throat> if you're in the investment business. Not just their birthday, but mm -hmm. send them something that celebrates. I, we have a, uh, had a privilege of working, we'll just say, with a, a client in, in Texas, and Mother's Day came up. And so uh, on a call I was having with the team there, and they said, what can we do with Mother's Day? We're going to send out cards. I said, don't send out cards. Everybody gets Mother's Day cards. Why don't you just, let me grab my phone just get your phone out, get your phone out and record a message. I just want to say happy Mother's Day to all of you. I'm just so grateful to have you as a client. And thank you for what you're doing for your family and our entire community. Have a great Mother's Day. One video, send it out to everybody. All of the individuals in their database that were a mother's, grandmother, single moms, et cetera. The response was amazing. Why? Because it elevated the experience. Mm -hmm. If somebody has an investment anniversary with me and this is their or maybe it's a professional day anniversary because mm -hmm. we have professional days, don't we? I mean, every day is a professional day for somebody. You know, Teacher's Day, this day, that day, Firefighter's Day, et cetera. Why don't we send a cake, to not to their house, send it to their office? Why? Because it's going to come in the office. They're going to have that cake and they're going to share it in the break room. Everybody's going to talk about it. It's going to position you prominently as what? Elevating the experience. You see, the whole thing today is to really get yourself in a position where people see you as distinct. Now, here's the baseline to do this. And it kind of goes again back to Eric, your wonderful question. Here's the problem we're having. Most people, most companies, I just had a call with a with a consumer company, and they wanted they went on for 20 minutes about their CRM. We have a tremendous database tree tracking system, et cetera. And my only comment to them, well, this is wonderful. But we need to stop looking at CRMs as CRMs. We need to start looking at them as CXMs not customer relationship managers, customer experience managers. We need to capture data. 
We need to capture everything we possibly can about every single consumer. People say, oh, it's impossible. Not with AI anymore. God, you can program your AI with your best customers. You can set up Google alerts. They will, Google will do it free. They'll search a person's name. Anything pops up on the internet in a time period that you lay out, weekly, daily, monthly, whatever, you can load that right into your database. You can use AI today, put all your customers that are on Facebook, even if you don't have access, it will search Facebook for people of similar names, drop that data right into your database. Look at what Agati's done with it. Unbelievable. So what happens is you engage with people at a far deeper level, you can elevate their experience. So I hope that was helpful, Marissa. Are you kidding? So helpful. And I see lots of people giving us thumbs up on the, the live chat stream. So think I like one of the things I like about talking with you, Richard, is not only do you bring up the point, right? Maybe the difference between customer service, which is just your basic level versus optimizing the customer experience is the examples you give because it makes it very easy for someone listening to understand, oh, okay, that's what he means by that. Or this is how I can, you know, do something similar in my own company. You give really good real-time examples. And I, I really, really appreciate that. Uh, so many people are joining us. Marcelo is joining us from Brazil. Welcome, Marcelo. He says hello to us both. He has a question, and I'll get to that in just a moment. And also, MD uh, Rased says hello and welcome, and what a great event. And he does have a question, too, about digital marketing and getting a job. So we'll see if we can answer that question in just a moment, MD. Uh, Richard, Marcelo has a question, and I do want to drop it in here. Um, He's saying, what are the main mistakes that you've noticed uh, in terms of the urgent need of many companies to bring digital transformation to their business and how were they impacted? I think he's asking, let's see, Marcelo, I feel like I'm not reading your question quite right. Uh, maybe in terms of businesses not, you know, making these changes and how did that impact them? Not well, really it, you know, what we're really talking about here is what is the, what, what are the mistakes that people make? The mistake is when IT decides this is what we're going to do. When IT decides this is, this is what we're going to do. Or marketing says this is what we're going to do. And they just instruct IT to go to the dance. Or some head of some office says, okay, so what we're going to do now, we're going to start posting online. So let's get some stuff out there. Mm -hmm. oh, oh, I've heard this, that many this, times. This fantastic strategy. This is a good way to fall down a flight of stairs. <laughs> what needs to happen is, and the, it, you know, it, it really revolves around a lot of things, but what has to happen, I hear this, the collaboration today between, shall we say, the silos in a business. And everybody goes, oh, we don't have silos. Yeah, okay. You probably have silos. So you got the sales department, the marketing department, and you got the support staff. I found the support staff to have the, sometimes the greatest insight on how to connect with consumers at a deeper level than anything else. What would work better? digitally. Why? Because they're like the live chat box. They're talking to your customers all the time. They're getting input, they're getting insight, etc. So what needs to happen is build a collaborative effort so that instead of saying, well, marketing says we should do this or sales says we should do that, we can work together collaboratively and be able to put together a digital strategy that serves all the constituents in the company. And as I said, I really found I, I did a whole series for support staff at a, a large financial firm uh, across the country and uh, over 70 offices and did webinars and Q&A. And it was exciting to do four rounds with them. But boy, the support staff had great insight. Hey, you know, we could do this. We ought to think about that. What do you think about this? Well, we shared that with who? The marketing department, the sales department. 
the operations department and IT. So what did IT do? They elevated the entire platform so that all these things could become part of their culture, mm -hmm. which really was a game changer. But the listing post was that young man, that young lady that's on the front lines answering the phone every day, they have tremendous insight. What are people asking about? What are they interested in? And so the mistake that's made is some department says, here's what we're going to do without collaborating with other departments. And today I get, you know, I, I had a call recently with some, well, you know, collaboration's really hard because, you know, we're not all in the office. Really? I mean, seriously, I mean, look, just look, I mean, look at Slack. I think it's I'll say it's 54, it might be a little higher, 54% of people think that Slack, that use, that that are out there in the space that we have uh, had the privilege of being able to capture, 54% of people that use Slack think it is the future. Teams is way behind. They're like 32% of the, of the business population yeah. thinks that's the best collaborative platform. Slack is a runaway train. Why? Everybody can get out, you can share ideas, it captures, it repaginates, it lists, it logs. And guess what? You end up with basically, here's the talking points that everybody brought up through the entire conversation. So it allows us to collaborate and bring together. So that's the biggest mistake that gets made is somebody decides. Now, I'm not saying we need to have committees, but what we need to have is a team of people from all the disciplines that work mm -hmm. collaboratively together to now hear this, to come to consensus, not to compromise. Because the only way we can compromise, somebody's got to give up something. So everybody's a little ticked off. Let's come to consensus that we're all on the same page. This is where we're going. This is the culture we're going to build. Changes the game. But you need input from everybody. That's the biggest mistake that gets made is somebody decides without the input from all the other participants in the silos that remain in those companies. Thanks, Marissa. Long answer, but hopefully that was helpful. Great I know you answer. want to talk about distribution strategies, too, so I don't want to. No, you're good. Here, you know, I, I like, though, that. Um... I think you're touching on things and great question, Marcelo. You're touching on things that I think all of us firsthandedly have probably experienced, whether we're part of a small, mid-sized, large company. I know I did when I was working at a company and we got a new CEO and he said exactly what you said, Richard. He said, okay, we all just, I need you all to be posting on, on your social media. And I remember all of us said, huh, Okay, because my social media is my friends and family. They already know when I'm on the air. They've already purchased everything from me they'd ever buy. So you're going to make me do all this work just to retouch and really essentially bother and annoy this like small group of people maybe that's on my social media, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I remember all of us just sat around scratching our heads going, and how, and how is this going to increase sales? It's like he just wanted us to do it because that's what everybody else was doing and i'm making air quotes for for yep. those of you listening on the podcast so that was a great example of what not to do well, to uh, eric's question real quick too when he says how can we make sure people don't get left behind yeah we have a situation right now with um, a group and uh that's the issue they have been left behind and uh of course i was told by the coo you know you need to tell them well yeah mm -hmm. okay good let's, let's get right on that so what I did decided to do instead is I gave them a survey of what do you do online? How do you use online? What does it mean to you? How are you effective online? Uh, what are things you look for? And, you know, it's only 12 questions. But once I got all that feedback, we went back and said, now, here's what you're doing online. Do you think the people you're trying to market to are doing these same things? And it was like this. God, good point. Like that. Hit good your head point. Moment, okay? Yeah. Yeah. So how would you? And then you give them a step-by-step -step plan, a 30-day plan. That's key. 30 days. 
make it very clear. Step one, step two, step three, have them follow the steps, hold them accountable. And guess what? They execute. But they're not executing because you told them you got to do this. What they're mm -hmm. executing, because what you've done is ask them, how do you use online? How do you use the online platform? How do you how do you shop online? How do you engage online? How do you use right. Facebook? How do you use LinkedIn? And guess what? When they're talking from their own experience, people support that, which it is that they build. Well, if they built their social life around, let's say, the Internet just because they're or digital, the truth of the matter is then they're far more, shall we say, open to engaging others to join them in that online digital experience. So that's a digress. I know you want to talk about distribution. Strategy. No, no. But if there isn't passion and, and um, the belief in it working also, like if your employees don't right. believe in it and they're they doing it just to go through the motions, we all know that that's an... <laughs> Epic, like you said, it just it's falling down the stairs. It's not going to work. Eric says, by the way, best thinking wins, and ideas can come from anybody. Because you were talking about Slack and 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 how everybody can come into this teamwork setting. Great, great comment, Eric. Every time, Eric. Eric, by the way, follow him on LinkedIn. It's he's got some fabulous. Just I will, I will do that. And don't forget, you need to have him on the show, Marissa. Reach out, Eric. Yeah, give them on that the show. That would be great. Eric, let us know. His way of framing things marketing-wise is brilliant. Wonderful. Thank you again, Richard. And we will share all of your contact information. If you're really liking um, just where we're going with this conversation with Richard, I'm going to share with you how you can connect with him on LinkedIn through his email and his website as well. So don't go anywhere. Um, so we're talking right now about basically different uh, shifts and priorities that businesses need to make in mm -hmm. order to keep up with these changes. Now, we talked about customer service. We talked about optimizing customer experience. So yes, Richard, what have you found in the way of new distribution strategies evolving as a result of the changes? Well, there's a lot of things that are going on. Let me cover a couple of things here because they're all kind of integrated. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt now that teething is critical. Doesn't matter what industry you're in. Did you say teething? Teaming. Well, teething is important too for oh. some populations, but for this particular group, I would suggest teaming. Teaming. And the reason, and people say, well, what do you mean? Well, how do you think? I mean, seriously, how do you think all this technology gets to the marketplace, gets developed? It's through teams. Mm -hmm. You know, Microsoft really went down this road, and so did Apple. They put teams together. I have a good friend of mine, friends Dell over in Miami. He uh, has Venture Fuel, which is a uh, investment firm. But what they do is they bring people in have great ideas in IT and they team them up with people who have similar passionate interests. And what happens, they develop a wonderful, shall we say, wow point in the marketplace. It's the same in financial services, teaming's where it's going. Um, in uh, technology, it's where it's been. Even the auto industry is now moving to teaming. Restaurants, because they're shorthanded, are teaming. They're having two or three waitresses or servers do what? Serve a table. Why? So they can together. team up together and they can do a better job of elevating the client experience. So that's one. The second thing that we see in distribution strategies is partnerships. Now, I will tell you that, you know, we track this stuff, you know, we're research-based. So, I mean, this is every morning I get up, it's 20, 30 minutes of looking at all my Google alerts and what's going on and et cetera. But Walgreens is a classic example. Now, Walgreens is where you, you go to get, you know, things that are, let's call around the medicine world. But mm -hmm. they have just now started a thing called financial wellness planning, where you have 
the ability to set goals and start saving money for planning and retirement, et cetera. Now, it's not a full-blown platform like some of the people that are on this, shall we say, uh, on this broadcast. But the truth of the matter is they've gotten into that space and they branded it right with what? Financial wellness. Mm -hmm. And sure, it's only seven things you can do, seven goals you can set, but that's going to expand. That's going to get bigger. So what have they done? They realized we need to reach out in the community and build a partnership. It's the same thing for any business. I have a, uh, a company of mine uh, that we have the privilege of working with, Salad Master. What have they done? You know, they sell pots and pans. Okay, great. But what have they done? They partnered with various charitable organizations in the community so that they can, number one, serve those constituents, but number two, every portion of their, quote, sales goes to that local, local charity. So what are they doing? They're realizing the new distribution strategies is teaming and it's partnerships, aligning yourself with other organizations that are culturally, shall we say, in alignment with you and your organization mm -hmm. so that you can go to the market. Look at Mombest Socks. I mean, I started way back with them. Look how millions of pairs of socks they've given away. Why did people buy that? They didn't buy it because they were great socks, although they are. They bought it because they felt like if I buy a pair, they're going to give a pair. And so mm -hmm. what happened was people got engaged because people want to make a difference. When you look at Z's wise millennials, their passion is to make a difference in the world. And so the way they make a difference in the world is they support organizations that are partnering with charitable cultural organizations that are investing back in the community. So that's really important from that perspective. Now, if we talk about e-commerce, a lot of people want to talk about that. I know the truth of the matter is today that when you speak about e-commerce, let me tell you what the mistake is being made. The mistake is most companies are pr promoting features, benefits, features, benefits, features, benefits, features, benefits. Here's a feature for our product. Here's a benefit. Here's a feature. Here's the truth of the matter is we're in a full sale mode. We want to sell. I go to websites for financial services companies. You go to websites, even you look at websites like Target, you look at even Nordstrom's kind of slipped on this now. What's happening is they're promoting, promoting, right? The features and benefit. Here's the problem. What people want to know today is what is the advantage? What is not just a feature and benefit, but how is this going to solve my problem? Or how is this going to enhance mm -hmm. my life? Or how is this going to give me a better experience? Because that's what people are looking for. People don't buy the feature and they don't buy some generic benefit. They want to know when they go to your website, what's going to be the advantage of this product? Amazon is getting there. And Walmart, frankly, I think is a tad ahead now with their online because what they do is when you look, click on an image and it blows up for you, they tell you what it will solve and what it will do. They don't just list, you know, this sharp and this and that and this five features. They give you what this means to you, what this means to you. i tell you a phrase that's really caught on, really caught on in e-commerce, so that. Mm. So that. And I've worked with some charitable groups around the world and we put that into their lexicon and raised tens of millions of dollars by reaching out to donors and say, if you give this money, so that, and I just picked up on this, just looking at these sites and saying, what is the one common denominator that's driving these numbers? And it dawned on me, so that, so people would go there and say, okay, I need to buy this, so that, and the, so that was what it solved. Same in charitable giving. So that, when I saw that, I went, that's it. That's it. People want to know outcome. They want to solve something or if they're going to give money, they want to what? Have an outcome involved. So that is the big thing in e-commerce. What we have to do 
is we have to begin to realize that even if you're in the financial services business, stop posting stuff about 501ks and this and 401ks and 529 plans. What we need to do is we can talk about it, but talk about so that so that your children can get the education they can deserve without burdening them with a quarter million dollars worth of loans the rest of their life. You buy life insurance, not so that you have assets, so that you can take care of your loved ones once you die. That's what people want. They're looking for solutions. They're, people don't want to buy anything. They're trying to solve something, experience something, engage with something, feel good about something. That's it. And suggest. I mean, Amazon is brilliant. Walmart's a little behind. But mm-hmm. Amazon's caught this. And Target's doing a little better. But I, Walmart will get there. They're really close now. Amazon, you buy something on Amazon, they pop up other things. Ooh, they're like, you might this. like this. And I'm always right. like, yes, I do. And, you know, my books are on Amazon. And I can tell you, it always amazes me. And many, I'll click on a lot of different books and boom, there's my book at the bottom. You know, Power of Why, Breaking Out in a Compact, also would suggest. Now, what are they doing? They're cross-selling. But what they're really doing is, so we understand what you're trying to solve. Here's some additional solutions. Mm-hmm. Brilliant marketing. Brilliant. And it's the same with websites, Marissa. You know, people say, well, what's really working on websites? It's the wow factor. Websites mm-hmm. have gotten stale. It's kind of a yawn. Pictures, videos, they're relevant. And talk to stories. Put story. You know, everybody, God, I see all this stuff on LinkedIn. You know, you need to tell your story. No, you don't. What you need to do is have your customer tell their story. Because the customer story is going to connect with another customer. We're in the middle of doing some research. You know, you mentioned the Wyoming Center. <clears throat> We're basically doing research with over 2,000 of our users. What has this meant to you? And people said to me, well, why would you do that? Because who cares what I think it's meant to them? If I can take their story and say, if you'd like to have a similar story, that 1-800, you can enroll. That's a far stronger message in that regard. I mean, it's all around digital advertising, too. You know, the, I mean, look at Chick-fil-A. They have absolutely crushed digital. Let's crushed. let's talk about Chick-fil-A for a minute because oh. you and I were talking about that before the show started. What is yeah, Chick-fil-A yeah. um, doing differently that is working so well? They're not talking about Chick-fil-A. Right. At all. What have they got? The red couch, the white walls. You got a Chick-fil-A employee, we'll say. Or mm-hmm. store manager sitting there and somebody comes in the one that's currently running now that i mean the numbers are off the hook you know we track it on the back end through our research up it's off it's crazy and what's the message this young lady comes in sits on the couch and said well so and so came into our drive-in and said she'd like to give fifty thousand of her points from chick-fil-a meals to individuals here in town like homeless people that needed food Wow. Thank you so much, Miss Customer. This is wonderful. But the real message is, guess what the real message is? Chick-fil-A cares. Chick-fil-A customers are people that care. And the real side message, the sub message is, if you buy from Chick-fil-A, you're going to get points you can use any way you want. So guess what happens? You got to get in a four-car line, four cars wide to get into Chick-fil-A. Why? Because they're not talking about chicken. They're not talking about burgers. They're talking, talking about, about the impact on the community. And they're talking about your story. You got a flat tire. And guess what? You know, George went out and changed the tire for you. And you're saying, I'm so grateful because I was late for school. Well, we always want to make sure you're on time for school. Wow. It's Brilliant. connecting Brilliant. people with yes. their inner need to feel like they're part of something, right. to feel like they're heard. Right. 
And I get people all the time on financial services, particularly say, well, you know, we yeah. can't put out testimonials. What, what do you mean? It's not a testimonial. I can get up and tell my story about what an impact you made on my life. The impact. Mm -hmm. I tell my story. My, my mother died in I was five. My dad died in I was six. My father had no insurance. I lived in 19 foster homes, went to 11 different schools. People ask me all the time, should I buy life insurance? I'm like, let me tell you my story. If my dad had bought life insurance, I wouldn't have lived in 19 foster homes. So I'll let you decide if that makes any sense. Look at Surfside Towers. That collapsed. I wonder how many financial advisors, financial professionals brought that up to their clients. Instead of saying, here's my story. Did you hear about the wonder that tower that collapsed? That terrible tragedy in Miami, that tower that collapsed? Mm -hmm. all those yes, we did. God forbid that would ever happen to somebody like you. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people didn't have enough. Life, and they got a story to tell that everybody connects to. This is what websites need to do. Digital advertising needs to do is connect with people and stories about the customer, stories to advance your culture in the marketplace. If you want to get people into your organization, I don't care who you are. Look, um, Shake Shack, they're spectacular at telling what the customer story. They don't have hiring problems. Why? Because people want to join the culture. See, a lot it. of what you're saying, it's interesting. So my background is in uh, TV sales, home shopping. Oh, and yeah. a lot of what you're saying, it's funny because 20 years ago when I studied with basically the head guy in home shopping, he always taught us, just like you said, it's not about features and benefits. He taught me it's the WizGat method. And WizGat is an acronym for what's so great about that. Yep. Right. Which very much falls in line with your so what mentality. So, yes, this has this and this will do this. Right. So, so that you can so enjoy this. People like, right. Yes, that's what I'm exactly. looking for. So I think this is just so interesting because um, just now more than ever, because I think just kind of to wrap up and sum up a lot of what we've talked about now more than ever. Due to the pandemic, especially, right? Something that, you know, would normally maybe happen in five years, as you shared, has happened in five months, right? Things are happening faster now. So yes, we are working from home. We are remote. We're shopping online. We're even being more adventurous because we have so many choices that now we're not just shopping on the Amazons and the Targets. Now we're even shopping through apps. We're clicking the links. We're watching what these influencers are are using and telling us and they're selling on the emotion they're selling on the message right One quick point yeah here's what people don't realize messaging apps yeah have five billion more monthly users wow. than all social media combined gen okay. z's and millennials that's how they want to communicate that's how they buy that's how they recruit that's how they engage now, Apple is limited, okay. as you know, to Apple, Google, et cetera. But WhatsApp, I and mean, people are concerned about Facebook owning it. Signal's the best. They haven't got traction. If they ever get traction, they're going to be a runaway train on messaging apps. But people oh, wow. love it. Why? Because they can get answers quickly, and you can market directly to them. Didn't mean to interrupt, it's, but it, it, you mentioned no, messaging apps, and it's just an it's important It's quick, and piece. it's efficient, and it gives them... Um, it's easy to become an authority, right, on a product in a niche. Yes. Totally. And you get, um, I can't think of the word. You're you're basically, you're, you get, uh, oh, I can't think of the word. Your, your value, you, I can't think of the word, of course, but. It's all good. You know what I'm talking. You, yeah. 
you get yeah, the point what is, you, you need, get what you, you, know? you get what you want when you want it in real time. That's the point. It's kind of like chatbot. I don't like bots, but 82% of the population loves chatbots because you can go in there and type in a question and here comes right. an answer. Where, hey, I need the user manual for product Thank number you. and boom, yeah. it's the chatbot. And you, you don't have answer. to you don't have to scroll through 19 pages. You type in the question. Now, obviously, there needs to be some work in that area and financial services companies need to wake up on these chatbots because there's a spectacular way to be able to engage people at a deep level and direct them to a financial advisor as an example in their space. Not unlike what Amazon does. I mean, they still need some work. The big database of primary questions, primary words, primary phraseology with misspellings so that people can get the answers they want. I digress, we need to finish, I know, but. No, this is great. I will say this, talking with you and being a part of a, a disruptive company like Engage, right? Mm -hmm. Gets me excited because I know that the tools our company offers, the platform that we offer to people that right now is free, is the best way to start to be relevant, right? To start to, as a company, improve the customer service improve the customer experience, have chat agents that are educated, right? And trained in a way to make their interactions with the customers, not just okay, but amazing. On our platform, you have access to previous conversations, right? Our okay. chat agents do. So right. when a customer calls in and maybe it's the third time they've called in, a chat agent can say, you know what, Sarah, I see this is the third time you've called in. I love that you own A, B, and C products from our collection, but unfortunately, I'm sorry you had an issue um, last July, and there seems to be like you're having the same issue again. God, how great would it be to call a customer service agent and actually have them know something about you versus, can I put you on a brief hold, right? Um, it's just incredible, and, and we're really just really scraping the surface, but Richard, what I'd love to kind of ask you to, to tie up and wrap up our conversation is what do you think the key is, right, to sales success in a world now that is really more, more. Oh, what a great question. More okay. relative to, yeah, more, more about these remote relationships There's and one remote thing. engagement. There's one thing that I think anybody in sales, people, we, we, let's just say we all forget. Because we look at, boy, we want to get this consumer, or we want to get this demographic, or we want to get this prospect. The whole key to the sales success today in a world filled with remote relationships and engagement is you really got to see the prospect, the consumer. You got to see them as people. As people. They're not a prospect. They're not a consumer. They're not a, they're a person. And you have to see them as a person. And if you want to capture them, you've got to relate to them. And you got to message them to educate them, capture, now get this word curiosity. Stop trying to convince people, capture their curiosity. When people are curious, they engage. So you don't communicate at them, you communicate with them and you build a relationship with them. And it starts to bloom because you're speaking their language. I mean, 67% of the business, we interviewed a thousand business owners, 67% said if you, if an individual uses a few words, a few words, I mean, how low is this bar? A few words out of my industry, I'll probably engage with him. I mean, mm. this is a pretty low bar, a few words, but it tells us how far we've fallen as a society in terms of generic communications and shall we say, just blasting out there. So the real secret today, even though we got a lot of digitization going on, is we've really got to realize that you're communicating to a person, to a to people. 
you're not just talking to consumers. You're not talking to a demographic. And this gets caught up in the lexicon of marketing and merchandising and sales. You know, well, I got a bunch of prospects. Well, let's look at them as people, individual. Each has a nuance. Each has a, shall we say, an area that we can spend in time on. Because the average salesperson gets on the phone or gets into a situation and they start prospecting, but they don't take the time to do a little research on that individual. I'll give you a classic example. I had a situation with a guy. I look everybody up in line before I called him and I call him. And, you know, I, I knew he went to school and I brought up, hey, how's the team doing? He said, well, you know, we're making progress. Well, I could see. I said, by the way, can you do the claw? And he busted. I said, how did you know about that? And that was it. That was it. Creates an instant connection instant. because why that person feels like you care, right? Exactly right. Exactly it's right. So and basic, but it's right. so important. Because let's tell the truth: relationships drive revenue, and revenue is driven by sales. So the more you can relate, the more you can look at them as people, not just as prospects. The more you're going to be able to drive the business. This is. It doesn't matter if you're using technology or not. If you're going to use technology, personalize and humanize. Elevate the experience. Make it easy for me. See your CRM as a CXM. Really make an impact on people's lives because people do business with people that they really believe want to do business with them and are going to be there for them, that they know them, they trust them, they engage with them because you're interested in them as a person. You're not interested in them as just a customer. Thanks, Marissa. So wonderful. Well, let's take a moment, Richard, and acknowledge so many great comments that are oh, coming through sorry. the pipeline. Absolutely. Yeah. So Eric, by the way, thanks again for joining us in today's talk, all of your comments and questions. And this goes back to your comment on teaming, not teething. He says, so true, Richard, enterprise teams will crush solopreneurs going forward. We must team to thrive. And exactly I right, Eric. God more. bless you, brother. Get him on the show. We will, Eric. I will be reaching out to you. We'll have to have a chat. I love this. And then Assad says, yes, also user-generated content is important and the customer can relate to it better. Yes. It's great. Yes. Thank you, Assad, for that comment. And just a quick thank you again to Marcelo for your great question. Again, hello to Jimmy Mack, by the way, who says, you look great, buddy. Um, thank you so much for joining us, Abdul, and also MD as well. Hey, we just have a quick moment um, and I did not get to MD's question. Um, so really quick, Richard, I would just love, um, you, you know, your thoughts and what you found as it relates to, hold on one second. Um, I put some notes up here. Oh, how working remotely has affected the hiring process? Because MD asked, you know, how, how do we get a job, right, in this world? What have you found in your researchers? Well, we had the privilege <clears throat> last year of working with a firm and uh, with uh, about, um, I'll say it was 21, about 20 rising managers and uh, in a virtual environment, how are you going to recruit? They recruited 82 people. Wow. Virtually. But the, what you have to realize is if you are, let's say you're on the other side and you want to get hired, mm -hmm. the challenge that people have is that you have to realize you have to show up if you're going to do like a Zoom. Let's just take an example. You need to show up dressed for business and ready to go. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing. Not some casual background. You got to pay attention to what's behind you. You've got to really be there. Secondly, stop talking about yourself. Well, I this and I have this and I have this technology and I get this degree. What you want to do, just like you would in an in-person environment or a resume, talk about the outcome that you could deliver. Say, I'm looking forward to joining a team where I can bring, bring 
whatever I, I can bring a technology so that, right, so right. So technology that your company, yeah. so that company can really grow and prosper. Mm-hmm. Now then I'm looking for a situation where I can make enough money to buy a new car. I'm looking for a situation to be able to pay off my debt. I'm looking for a place where I'm going to be comfortable and really get rewarded for what I do. Yeah, really. Well, happy trails there, big boy. You know, what you want to do is you want to speak to the individual who's hiring. That's how you stand out with a resume. And the same on a virtual environment. When somebody said, well, tell me about your background. I'm going to give you this tip. When somebody, well, tell me a little more about your background. I have a resume. We want to have this conversation with you. Say, well, I've been involved for uh, quite a number of years. I graduated from college. Um, You know, I've got my my bachelor's and uh, I really enjoyed that. And I've been working prior to the pandemic. I was working in the engineering space and uh, really had to prove to work with a great team. But before we get to all of that, what do you think are the three biggest issues that you believe that would be attributes of the person you would like to hire? And they go, so oh, you, oh, yeah, right. Uh, you took well, their question and you yeah, right back. But and what you said, this isn't about me. This is about how I can partner with you. Oh, and again, keeping in that back of your mind, that teamwork, that teaming Thank up, you. that partnership. Substitute for IQ. You did that exactly right, Marissa. That's great. Great tips, MD. I hope you're still listening and that, thank you for bringing up such a great question. Richard, I could talk to you all day. I won't do that because I know you're a busy, busy man. We were very lucky to, to have you for an hour. So I want to thank you so much for joining us. And I do want to share quickly, if it's okay with you, how our audience can connect with you now and into the future. And they can, of course, do that via LinkedIn. And I'll spell this for those of you listening on the podcast. But you can connect with Richard on LinkedIn, Richard, R-I-C-H-A-R-D dash Weilman, W-E-Y-L-M-A-N dash keynote speaker, all one word. So Richard Weilman keynote speaker is how you can connect with Richard on LinkedIn. Please drop him a note and let him know that you saw him on the Engage Digital Marketing Live show. Also, you can find more about Richard at richardweilman.com. And Richard is open to emailing and connecting on a more personal level. Is that still a good email for you, Richard? Sure, whatever I can do to help you. Richard at richardweilman.com. I see one more comment that's just popped up. Oh, Marcelo says, thanks, Richard. Very good to hear in terms of everything that you just shared. Thank you, my dear friend of Brazil. I'm so glad that uh, to, to hear from you. I hope that you're doing well. And uh, I uh, hopefully you'll be back uh, in the USA before too long. Take care and God bless. Wonderful. Right, Marissa, Great, Richard. Thank you. Thank you so much. I will say bid you adieu for now. And I want to thank you again for taking some time to connect with us, sharing wonderful advice, research, and actionable takeaways that everybody listening can literally walk and go do or get, you know, hire somebody to help them do to be able to be more successful and adapt to the changes we're all experiencing. So thank you so much. Say hi to the entire team. It's always a blessing to see you. And thanks for the privilege of presenting. Absolutely will, Richard, and thank you so much. My pleasure. What a wonderful opportunity to pick Richard's brain. He is uh, just an incredible author, a highly regarded keynote speaker. He's obviously, I like what he's doing. He's practicing what he preaches, and he does that, especially even in my emails with him. He's such a wonderful um 
a wonderful smart man who makes sure to put a personalized touch on every single communication. And that is why you all, that he is so successful and good at what he does. Richard, I think you're in the waiting room. If you're still listening and can hear me, another comment came in from Aria who says, thank you, Richard and Marissa. It has been enlightening. And Aria, thank you so much for joining us. Okay, quickly, before I let you all go, I wanna share our Engage news of the week for today. And this is interesting because it definitely relates to how the social platforms are changing as well to keep up with all of the changes that we're going through as a result of the pandemic. So this week's news of the week is TikTok. TikTok has been testing a boost-like promote option with selected profiles for the next couple of months and now, or has been testing for a few months, and now it's available to all users. The ad feature is very similar to the Facebook's boost button. And what it allows you to do is it allows you to quickly and easily amplify your TikTok posts and turn them into ads. So with this promote, you can turn any organic TikTok video now into an ad directly within the app. You can start reaching new audiences. You can build a bigger following, drive track traffic to your business website, and of course, create more content that gets more engagement. So just a new update on the TikTok app that has really allowed people to not only take the posts that are already doing well, but now boost those posts to essentially reach more people. And there you go, another opportunity to continue to create personalized content and to connect with unlimited leads. But as we've learned from Richard, they're not leads, they're people, right? And people connect with people, not brands. If you have more topics, uh, topic ideas, questions, if you'd like to connect with me, because maybe as Richard said, you know somebody who would be an excellent guest on our show, you can do that by connecting with me on LinkedIn at the Marissa Morgan. You can also email me at marissa.m at engage.com. And one last thing, please connect with us on our LinkedIn page, our company profile page. And that company page is Engage, N-G-A-G-G-E. And our logo is a colorful cog wheel. So keep an eye out for that. And last but not least, Richard's show will be in good company in about 48 hours on our live show library. So you can rewatch Richard's show. You can share the link to Richard's show at engage.com forward slash live dash show dash library where Richard will be in good company. We've had so many incredible guests. So please, if you want to rewatch this show, if you want to share this link, or you'd like to watch previous shows, you can do that by visiting our live show library. Okay, everybody, that is it for today. I want to encourage you all to have a very wonderful weekend and join me back here next Thursday, September 16th. Our guest is a CEO of the OnSwitch. Her name is Nancy Shanker, and she'll be joining us live to talk about the concept of bots and bodies, how to maintain a humanistic uh, touch in a highly digital world. Join me then. And in the meantime, I hope you all have a wonderful and blessed weekend. Stay kind. And again, please connect with our guest, Richard Weilman on LinkedIn, and be sure to thank him for giving us his time today, all of his advice and exceptional insights. Until next week, have a wonderful weekend, and I'll see you all very soon.